0: It's been an interesting year that's just started, but, you know, this morning I had the honor and privilege to do the first kind of sermon of the new year, and as I'm thinking about this and praying about this and thinking, well, Lord, what should I bring? A number of scriptures came to mind, but a phrase came to mind from a Jerry Lewis song called, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. Now, he may have been thinking that in another context, but as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking, you know what? This has been a a year, the year that's gone, there's been a lot of shaking going on. Politically, economically, socially, spiritually, we've been shaken. I know I have been. I know throughout the congregation, many of us have had difficult things to deal with. In 2010 and it would be fair to say for some of us we're glad to see the back of 2010 some of us and then I thought well Lord there has to be a reason for this shaking and in Hebrews chapter 12 26 to 28 the writer says this at that time his voice shook the earth but now he has promised once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So, here's the question. What is the purpose of this shaking? And you know, the, the title of this message is Becoming Unshakable. What is the, the purpose of God shaking us? Well, it says quite plainly in the scriptures there, to rem- the removal of what? Creative things. That is, and this is my definition, strategies, systems, philosoph- philosophies, that we put our trust in. These are being shaken and they will be shaken. I know you know, we have things that we put our trust in. We have strategies that we use to get through and God's shaking those things. But there's a purpose in it. What's God's goal in all of this? It's to develop in us, his people, dependency on him as the sole provider of our needs you see I've been a Christian a long time and I suppose some would say that I know a lot of Bible and all that stuff but the thing is when you've been a Christian a long while when you've been on this journey for a while it's very easy to know scriptures saying know lots of scriptures and know that the Lord will provide and it's all what we call intellectual it's all conceptual it's all cognitive it's all up here then God starts to shake stuff in your life, and all of a sudden you're wondering if these verses that you learned all over the years about God's provision are really real. It may be real for Chris and Fliss and it may be real for some of the pastoral team, but is it real for you? Me. And one of the things I realize is that God wants to take us up as a, as a, a group, as a, a congregation, as a community, to a different level of faith. And he's shaking us so that we lose our dependence on the things that we have faith in that we believe will provide for us. I've got a word here for all us husbands. You know, when you get married, you're, you're, you're told you know, by the father-in-law, you are now the provider. I always remember a story of uh, a young couple who got married and, his name, and the, the guy's name was Mick. And Mick used to eat desperate Dan-sized meals. You know, his mum would bring this big platter and eat it, You know, and he, and he would sit down there and chomp his way through it. And when he got married, his, his, the mother, mother-in-law went up to the, daughter, the new daughter-in-law and said, I filled it for 25 years, now you can. <laughs> you know, he got used, sorry, never mind, didn't go there. The, the fact is that you know, he got used to having that size of food, and now his wife had to do that. But let me just say something to you, men. You're not the provider. If you're a follower of Jesus, God is our provider. God is our provider. Which means I just take a whole lot of stress off of you guys. God is our provider. So, what are our needs? What are the things that we need? Well, according to psychologist Abraham Maslow, oh oh, you say, oh, theology, some bit of psychology this morning. He says that we have five basic needs. Physiological needs, that's uh, you know to air, breathe, water, food, all that kind of stuff. We have safety and security needs, we have love needs, we have esteem needs, but let me tell you something. Before Abraham, as Maslow found this out, and he, he was born in 1904, apparently, God had made full provision for all of our needs. And I'm gonna show you that that as we go into this year, God has made full provision for every one of the needs that you have. So let's look at them. Let's consider what he says about our needs. We have five needs up there, basic needs, security needs, love needs, esteem needs, The top one actually should say self-actualization, but we're not into self-actualization. The word for that is purpose. God has a purpose, and I'm gonna break those down for you and show you that as you go into 2011, every need that you have, God has made provision for it. There's not a need that you are gonna have in 2011 that our God is not gonna be able to provide for. So let's deal with our basic needs. The needs for air, well, we've got that, for food, yes, for shelter. Matthew 6, 26, 33 says this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That's a good word. How much emotional energy do we expand in worrying about things that may not actually happen? Someone said, you know, fear is false evidence appearing real. And 85% of what you worry about won't happen anyway. And why do you worry about the clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, they're not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown away into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I could finish there on that because that's a good word for us. Father knows what we need. Father knows what we need for this year. Whatever challenges are yet to come, there will be bread on the table because our father knows what we need. He's made full provision for us. Whatever your physiological needs are, God has made provision for us. We're not to be like the pagan. What are we going to do in this economic situation? You listen to the news, and there they are, the the chattering classes, as I call them, and with the economists they are there, sitting down and pouring and having interviews about well, at the moment with the balance of payments as they are and the situation in and the amount of money that we need to pay back because of the blah 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 government and etc etc. We are going to have to tax people more, which means that with 50% of the population that are actually employed by the government, this will mean mass employment. Blah blah blah. And if you're listening to that and you're taking your your sense of faith from that, you will have despair as you look into this year. But it says something different here. It says, look, my God, your God, our God, will make provision for us. There will be bread on the table. And all he asks us to do is seek first his kingdom. In other words, start to do the things that is to undo the works of darkness. That is, we reach out with mercy. We reach out with love. We pray for the sick. We raise the dead. We do all the things that are signs of his kingdom. And as I put it like this. If we take care of his business, he'll take care of ours. If we take care of his business, he'll take care of ours. second need that we have is security. To feel secure. To have a measure of physical and mental well-being. As well as safety against accidents, etc. Now Paul put it like this. He said in Philippians 4. He says... Do not be anxious for anything. That's a tough word because some of us like to be anxious. I know I do. Where is the money coming from? What are we going to do next? Yeah? It's like anxiety is something that we we learn to live with it. But he says, but in every situation, whatever the situation is, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wonderful verse. So, what's the answer? When we, when stuff comes at us, and it will come, first thing we do is we go to God. That's what we should do, generally we don't what happens is we kind of backed up against the wall and okay let's pray about it <laughs> that's not what it's about he says look come to god with it god can handle it he's big enough to handle any situation and circumstance that comes upon you in 2011. what you need to do is by way of prayer by of petition, father we're in deep stuff here lord we're anxious over this and lord we come before you you talk to him as a real person you don't do religious prayers. Just pray. Present your requests, your petitions to God with thanksgiving. Two things that need to happen here. One of the things I've noticed is that people who want to get anxious, they get—they're not grateful. And one of the things you need to do in the midst of it, you need to thank God for what you already got. Attitude of gratitude. The, Sometimes we need to make a paradigm shift in our minds, particularly when anxiety comes, that we thank God for what we already have by way of family, by way of possessions, by way of our health, etc. Thankfulness in the midst of anxiety. But we also need to recognise that God is our protection. God is our protection. We've been going through some challenges personally and one of the words that God gave to me but Psalm 91 verse 5 it says a thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand but it will not befall you. But you will look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. And in other words what he's saying is God is my protection. Whatever is planned out there against you God is your protection. He'll, you will find protection under the shadow of his wing. He's going to keep you as the apple of his eye. And he's going to confuse the enemy concerning you. And whatever comes at you God is your protection. He says, Jesus, well, Jesus talking about the Father. He says, My father is greater than all, and no one can take you out of my hand. In other words, my dad's bigger than any other dad. That's what he says. That our God will protect us emotionally and spiritually. Psalm 91, he says what he came to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim release to the captives. To give a garland of praise for a spirit of heaviness. So if you're feeling depressed and you're feeling weighed down by what's going on, God has made provision for you. To lift you up. To anoint you with oil. To give you a sense that our God is with us. That he is your father and all of heaven's resources are available to you. So whatever situation is up in you are in, he will bring you out to bring you in to what he has for you. Amen. the next need we have is love we have a great need to know that we are loved most of people spend all their life tr- trying to be loved for we also need to know that we're accepted that we are received you know and here's something that you might not know did you know this Zephaniah 3.17 says this. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. He said, who, me? Yes, you. In his love, he will, in you. His, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you. Most people think that God spends all his time turning you off. Waiting for you to fall. Waiting to look at you. You know, when the dog has eaten the meat. And you're like looking at him, that's not, it's nothing like that. It says here, he will rejoice over you with singing. Yes, God sings over you every day of your life. Some of you, I know you don't believe it, but it's true. That when God looks down on you, he feels proud in his heart. It's my boy down there, it's my daughter down there. That God has your best interests at heart. He's your biggest cheerleader. He's always cheering for you. And for many of us, we need to know that love. That's why Paul prayed that, the hearts, that, the, that your hearts may be, that you may know the, 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 the breadth and the depth of his love. In other words, you may be increased in your capacity to receive his love. Because the more love you receive, the easier it is to love others and you're spending less time trying to get love from other people. I pray this is a year where God increases your capacity to receive his love so that you know in your heart that you're loved. It's not an intellectual appreciation. You know that Father is delighted over you. Esteem. We all have a need to belong. wonderful thing about being part of this community is that we belong, that you can belong, and you you can belong before you believe. You can be a part of it. You know, we also want to know that we're accepted. We're accepted wherever we are in our spiritual walk. We're not there judging you. Oh, these are the mature ones. Hmm, These ones, they need to grow some more. No, that's not what God's like. We're not tempted to say that sometimes, but the thing is that it's not like that. We're accepted wherever we are in our walk. It's one of the kind of values, it is one of the values of our vineyard here that we are not judgmental of people that we receive you wherever you are. You may not look godly. You may look ungodly. We don't care. We, we're only concerned that you will come to know this Jesus who we know because he can change you, and, and it's his work, not our work. All we're here to do is to assist him in allowing you to come into that place where we can move you from being a follower to Jesus so that we can help you to find out what it is that God has called you to do and assist in that process by way of developing you and encouraging you. Now listen to what the father says to the son. Matthew three seventeen. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. God would say that to every one of us, if you're a son or a daughter this morning, that he is pleased with you. As you go into 2011, he's pleased with you. And you're beloved and you're special. Now you're saying, well, you don't understand. You don't know me. You don't know the stuff that i'm going on in my life well look god knows things that we don't know and it's a good thing that we don't isn't it because we've all got stuff i've got stuff we've all got stuff but this is what he says to you you're my beloved son and daughter and i am well pleased with you and you need to hear it in your heart for some of us if we heard that we would be different we wouldn't be spending all our time hoping that other people would affirm us. If you're affirmed from above, who can, well that's the ultimate affirmation, is it not? If God loves you, then what are you worried about? That you know that you're a child of God, you know that you're born from above, you know you're partaking in divine nature, you know that you've got Christ's righteousness, you know that you have the mind of Christ, Good night. what more can he give you? You've got it all. But there's, there's this debate going on because you look at your life. But God has a plan for you and he loves you. We're affirmed from above for who we are, not for what we do. We're affirmed from above for who we are, not for what we do. That's an important point for you in 2011 because if you're not able to do what you've been doing by way of career or occupation or job, you don't stop being a son and you don't stop being a daughter. That you're still special. Your status, in terms of your job, is not the thing that determines whether God loves you or not. He loves you because of who you are. And if you walk in that, then nothing will touch you this year. No matter what, they take the job, they take this, they take the car, blah, blah, blah. The most important thing is that you know that you're a son and you know that you're loved and you stand in that, and that's your identity. Hear that? That's your identity. Draw on that. That will keep you. Come to the last one, purpose. <laughs> Maslow called itself actualization, but that's, a, that's not what we're about. We call this purpose. Each one has been called for a purpose which is bigger than ourselves. And some of you need to understand that what's going on in your world, you need to step back because it's part of a bigger plan that's going on. Our goal, as John Ortberg put it in his, his book, The Me I Want to Be, that Richard ran, says, it, it's becoming God's best version of you. God's purpose is for you to become the best, ver- purpose, per- uh, best version of you. When God called you to become a follower of Jesus, it wasn't just to save you so you could go to heaven, which of course is a wonderful thing, He had a purpose. And his purpose is through you to express what God is like. And he has unique gifts that you have that no one else has. And his goal is to put you into a community where those gifts and callings can be used for the glory of God and for the blessing of his people. So your highest calling is he has a purpose for you. Our job in life is to find out what that purpose is and fulfill it. So that when we reach the end of our lives, we have known that we've kept the faith, we've run the race, and we've done the job. Paul put it like this in Philippians 3.12. He was a follower of Jesus, wrote 12 books of the New Testament. He said this, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. When Paul became a follower of Jesus, God gave him a mission to be an instrument to the then Gentile church. All his life he was spent in fulfilling that mission. And God has a plan for you and he has a mission for you. And he wants to help you to fulfill it. God wants to remove our dependence on created things so that we become become unshakable as we walk through 2011. However, there's one more thing that God has for us as we walk through 2011. One more thing. Exodus 22, 23. And let me just give you the quick quick background. The children of Israel, 430 years in slavery. God says Moses, Moses now is the deliverer to bring them out. And God, before he brings him out, he's going to judge the gods of the Egyptians but through 10 plagues. Three or four of them have happened and this is where we pick it up. But on that day, I will deal differently with the the land of Goshen. Now, Goshen was a suburb of Egypt. And by the way, Egypt is a type of the world where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, I'm in this land I will make a distinction between my people and your people this sign will occur tomorrow and this is the thing that I want to get to you guys look here we are in the UK there's all stuff going on politically economically socially etc but God what he did is he put his people in Goshen and in Goshen Whatever plagues that were going on with the Egyptians weren't going on with the people of God. There was light in Goshen. There were no flies in Goshen. In other words, Goshen, the economy of Goshen was not the same as the economy of the Egyptians because God's people were there. Whatever's going on in this land, politically, economically, socially, or whatever, the Lord is in this land. Whatever happens to you at your place of employment or work He has made provision for you, for your basic needs, for your need for love, for your need for esteem and purpose because the Lord is in this land. And you know what that special thing is? It's his presence. It's his presence. Friends, I believe that in 2011 as the people of God, irrespective of what's going on in the land, we will know a level of his provision of his prosperity that's unparalleled i believe that i really do believe when chris was talking just before we started the service he was saying that god wants to prosper and i'm like yeah yeah, yeah, because that's what i'm hearing i'm hearing that there's going to be a distinction between those who are his and those who are not the economy out there may be operating but our god owns the cattle on a thousand hills and a gold every mine and as we center ourselves on him as we allow God to take away from us the stuff that we depend on and we begin to depend on him we will see a level of provision that to this day we have never seen before some of us are going to be moved into a different level you see maybe talking football terms we've been in kind of like uh, the, the football league or level two in terms of our faith God wants to move us to the premier league where we know a level of provision that is different to what's going on with our neighbors next door. That's a distinction. You see, either our God is real or he's not. But if they look at the, the, children, the Egyptians, when they looked at the Israelites, they're thinking, we've got boils and sores and this, then they've got nothing. If I was an Egyptian, I would have done, I would have gone to Goshen. Because in Goshen, there's peace, there's joy, there's food, there's love. There's yeah. And, you know, Goshen is a place I read. I said, well, Lord, where is this Goshen? I said, well, it's in your mind. It's the way that you look at life. It's, it's your perspective, your biblical perspective on what's going on. You're either in a place of abundance or in the, you're in the other place where everything's going wrong and it's terrible and it's one and it's this and it's that. Look, friends, God is saying to us, come on, guys. Yes, I've been shaking you, but I'm shaking you for a purpose. I'm shaking you so that you might begin to know my provision, that you might know my protection, that you might know my prosperity. Let me put it this way to you. whatever is going to happen to you where people are going to try and defeat you or destroy you or deter you, God will use it to God, for, for good to heal you and to bring about your success. Whatever happens in 2011, whatever comes at you, God will use it to bring about your success because his presence is in the land, amen? His presence is in the land. Should we stand? Because we're done. Band come up, please. I want to encourage you this year as as we start this new year that whatever is out there going on in the economy and all the rest of it, you need to live in the land of Goshen. You need to understand that if you're a child of God, you are tapped in to the one who owns everything. And he can redirect the resources of heaven into your situation. That's a testimony, my own testimony. I was repositioned this year in terms of my job. I no, longer, I no longer teach but now I'm understanding that God repositioned me so I could experience his provision for me and my family in a way that I have not experienced it hitherto and for many of you you don't need to be afraid of what's going to come in 2011 don't listen to the economists and to the politicians and all the rest of it you live in Goshen in Goshen there's full provision In Goshen, there's prosperity. In Goshen, there's abundance. In Goshen, there's God's provision. Father, we bless you and praise you that you are the God who does a seeding abundantly above what we ask or think. You're bigger than we realize. Lord, we ask you that you would increase our capacity to understand how big you are. That you can do in a day what takes a month, because you're God, you can provide for us in good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, because you're a God who is not limited. And Lord, we ask you that in 2011, we may be a people who live life without limits, because you're God, our Provider. Thank you for you, that. You provide love and mercy and grace and peace and all that we need to fulfill the purpose for which you've called us in Christ Jesus. Amen.